Turning your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30. We are already over in chapter 28. Look in chapter 30. Father, today as we approach your word, we thank you for changing us, Lord, from glory to glory. Lord, may our minds be renewed today. Lord, may we see from your eyes and your standpoint. And Lord, we're going to be doers of your word and not just hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Deuteronomy 30, look in verse 15. See, I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil. In that I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God shall bless you in the land whither you go to possess it. But if your heart turn away so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land whither you pass over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Don't you like it how God tells you what to go ahead and do? Just go ahead and choose life. That you and your seed may live, that you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice and here's this verse that I was quoting earlier. And that you may cleave unto him. For he is your life and the length of your days. That you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers. To Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. I want you to notice from this text here. He says this word, you choose. And he tells us to choose life. Does this apply to us today? Is there a choice that we need to make in our lives to choose life? We see many people that are choosing death, choosing things that would destroy their life, things that would hinder them from being the person that God's called them to be. And so we have a choice to make between life and death. But one thing that you notice a lot of people do, especially when it comes to church, they, they leave everything up to God. And so that's where phrases like this, God is in control, have come from. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot a religious cow right now. But when it comes to God's working in our life, when it comes to him in the world, he is not what we would say in control. See how quiet it gets when you say that? What did God gave man dominion? He said, replenish the earth. You are basically, at that time, he was the God of this world, meaning that he had the authority. But he sold out to Satan. He bowed his knee to, to the devil. And then the Bible says in, that Satan is the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, he's blinded the minds of those that believe not. So 
In this world, Satan is the God of this world. If you don't believe it, look at the unsaved. Who is their Lord? It's not Jesus. And so every person, we don't like to think about this, but every person who's never received Jesus as their Lord, they have a different master. They are dominated by demon. Maybe they may not have a demon in them, but they are oppressed. They have, the enemy is leading them. That's why when we call on the name of the Lord, we, we give our life to Jesus. We're made new creations. The Bible says, who hath delivered us from the authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So now I have a different father. Jesus even told these religious people, you are of your father, the devil. I'm sure they almost swallowed their teeth. What? You know, we, we are religious and we, are of the, we know the word. We know the law. Yeah, but he said, you are of your father, the devil. And so we have a choice to make. People leave everything up to God. And so what happened is Adam sold out to Satan. Then Satan became the God of this world. Now Jesus came to buy us back so that we could be the sons and daughters of the living God. And so just to say that God is in control is not an accurate statement. Now, if I make him the Lord of my life and I say, Lord, you be in control, then he is in control. But just to say that everything that's happening in this world, to say that everything is the will of God is to say that everything that happens, now we know that there's many things, that atrocities that happen, we know it's not the will of God. Why? Because men have a free will. All of the, the things that happen in this life, all of the bad things that happen is because man has a free will. He chose to rebel. But just because he rebelled, um, Romans 5 says that for if by one man's offense, death reigned much more. They which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through one Jesus Christ. And so this phrase was just rolling around in my spirit and I wanted to share this this morning, and it's this. You choose. You choose today. Hallelujah. He tells us to choose. And one thing that, you know, a lot of times people, when they leave things, they, they think, I'm just leaving it up to the Lord. They're actually leaving it up to the devil because they're not making a choice. And I want to say this. You can't leave up to God what he leaves up to you. Everyone say, you choose. So many times people blame God for the bad things that happen, even in their own life or the lives of others. But you know, many times it's the result of our decisions. It's the result of, of the decisions that we make. You know, I, I heard someone saying this one time, and I'll, I'll share it again, but someone was talking about how the Lord took all these people they worked in this factory and, you know, they, they, God took this one and he took this one. And they said that, you know, it's amazing when people started obeying the rules where safety was concerned, that God didn't take as many people from that point on. Why? Because if we do foolish things, it's not that God took us. We were just, you know, the Bible talks about different things that we do, faults, suffering for the will of God, or faults, you know, our own faults. 
So I don't want to suffer. I don't know about you, but I don't want to suffer today because of my own faults. I don't want to suffer because I was being dumb. But he says that you may love the Lord your God and you may obey his voice. That's how we get protected. That's how we are kept by obeying his voice and that we would cleave unto him. For he is my life. I like that. He doesn't say he gives me life. He says he is my life. What is your life today? You know, that person, it's just Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the night, Jesus all day long. That's right. Why? Because he's my life. He's your life. Hallelujah. And maybe that's what I'm saying. Maybe people are saying that about you. You know, that person, they just talk about Jesus all day long. So according to the word of God, if you're going to dwell in the land, you'll have to choose life and God's plan for your life. Let me make this statement. If you want God's perfect will for your life, which includes health, healing, abundance, then you have to do God's perfect will for your life. Isn't it interesting that, you know, in this country, not thank God for the decisions that have been made. We see court decisions that have been overruled, but Look in the past, even 50 years. You can't take God out of school. You, you can't take prayer out of school. You can't take God out of this and that. No, we don't want to hear God. You know, we can't have God in this, but then we want his protection. You know, it doesn't work that way. Lord, uh, we don't want to serve you. We don't want anything to do with you, but we could sure use your protection. Well, he's not mafia. You have to serve him with all your heart. <laughs> I want you to turn over to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. I think it's interesting. We A few years ago, we were in the uh, newspaper, in the Dickinson Press, and we would write different articles and um, turn those in almost weekly there for a while. I did this one article, and I talked about You Choose. And, and what God says in the word about it. And I, said, I made this statement, and I said, God is not sovereign. I mean, people don't really know what that means, but what I mean is this. God is sovereign in the fact that he sovereignly gave us a right to choose. But we still have to make the choice. So what people think, what people think when, when they say God is sovereign is this that God's going to do what God's going to do no matter what you do. And that, that you can just live any which way and, and everything's going to be okay, basically. So I made that statement. Well, the next week in the newspaper, there was an article by another pastor and said, God is sovereign. I guess I was getting corrected for my theology. <laughs> but we have a choice in the matter. Joshua chapter 24, and let's look in verse 15. Let's look at verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day. What's he telling them to do? Make a decision. Choose this day whom you will serve. 
whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Everyone say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage in which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwell in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt. So do you understand what we were saying? That what if you just go ahead and, and serve other gods anyway? Can the Lord really protect you? What if you serve the other gods? Can, can God bless you and prosper you like he wants to? He said, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after you have done, he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. So the Lord tells them, you choose this day. You know, you, you, you come out from the flood, you had other gods over there. It's just the same way as believers. We, we, we serve the enemy. We don't like to think about it. But how many know we serve the devil? Some people worshiped the devil. And, and people serve him, and then they come over to this other side, a land that flows with milk and honey. We, we flow back. But how many know that sometimes that dead man, he likes to resurrect himself? And the Bible says that our old man is crucified. But I'm going to tell you what, some things die hard. Some things die hard and they want to be resurrected. I don't care if it's habits. I don't care if it's mindsets. The enemy wants to come back. The Bible tells us, I believe it's in Matthew 12, 42, somewhere right in there. The Bible talks about when the evil spirit goes out of a man, what does, he, what does he do? He goes through dry places seeking rest and he finds none. So when a, when a spirit is cast out, they are disembodied spirits, demons are. So to have their fullest range of expression, they have to have a host. So they want to be in a person or if not, send us into the swine. And we had the first case of deviled ham in the Bible. So, so here it is. He says, when they seek rest, find none, they say, I'm going to go back to my house that I came out of. 
lying devil. It's not his house to begin with. But where, when he goes back, he finds this clean. That's what happened. The Lord cleans us up, swept and garnished. But I want you to notice one thing. It said it was empty. So when you're, when you're delivered, when you're set free, when you're clean, then you have to fill yourself up. You fill yourself up with the word. You fill yourself up with the Holy Ghost to where, you know, there's a sign that's on the outside of you that says no vacancy, no demons allowed. You know, I, I'm superior to demons. They, they can't come in here. You know, I'm prejudiced against demons. You know, I can be prejudiced against demons, not people. Amen. Why? Because they're under my feet. They're the lesser one. The enemy's defeated. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And so you have to make that choice. You have to make that decision. Those things will always try to come back. And so he's saying, hey, you're on the other side. You choose. If you're going to serve Baal, then just go ahead and serve Baal. If you're going to serve um, God, then you serve God. Choose you this day. But me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Can you say amen? Look over in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 29. Everything in life is the result of our decisions. Now we know that some things have, in life, we understand this, have not been things that we chose. Maybe something happened to us as a child. Maybe something that happened that we didn't ask for in life. But then when those things happen, it's our choice how we respond. And let me say this. It's not the giants in life that, that defeat us. It's our response. It's not the circumstances that determine the outcome, but from, from where you respond. See, if it was the circumstances that just automatically determined our destiny, then David would have been killed by the giant. If it's just circumstances, then the three Hebrew kids thrown into the fire would have been nothing but crispy critters. <laughs> if it was just the same, then Daniel would have had been mastered by the lions and they would have eaten him. But from where you respond? I can respond from what I see, which is basically fear, or I can respond from my heart, what I believe. Proverbs 1, verse 29 says this. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. What he's talking about is responding to wisdom. Responding. The Bible talks about calling out to wisdom and wisdom cries back to you. Lord, I came to get my wisdom today. Lord, I'm, I'm calling out and wisdom calls back and says, here, here I am. Here, I, I'm here for you right now. But he goes on to say about when he calls and people don't respond and people refuse and say, I don't need the Holy Ghost. I don't need to know what God wants me to do. He says, okay, then I'm going to laugh at your calamity. I'm going to mock when your fear comes. They shall call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not what? Choose the fear of the Lord. So every day we have an opportunity to say, Lord, I'm choosing you today. I'm choosing your counsel today. <clears throat> I want your plan for my life. See, the Lord chooses us, but we have to choose him. 
Do you remember the Bible says, Jesus said this, and we'll look at it here in a little bit as well. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Well, you know, I found the Lord. You know, the Lord wasn't lost. He knew right where he was, but God found us. So it's a matter that God chose us, God found us. But we still have to respond to the, to the calling of God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1. I'm going to turn to these because I don't have every one of these written out. Philippians 1 in verse 22. I want you to know what the Apostle Paul said. Verse 21, for, to me, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Why would die, dying be gain? Because for me to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The blessed hope. He says, but if I live in the flesh... This is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. So Paul is actually saying, I don't know whether I'm going to go ahead and be with the Lord or I'm going to stay. What do most people say? Well, you know, when, when the jig is up, you know, you're going to go whether you want to or not. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die and after this, the judgment. What do most people say? Most people say, think it says it's appointed a man a time to die. No, it just it says it's appointed unto men once to die. And that's an appointment that every one of us are going to make. A lot of people in the natural, they cancel appointments and, no, I don't want to go to that appointment. I don't want to do that. But there's one appointment you can never cancel. You're going to stand before the Lord. You're going to give an account of what's done in the body. So here's Paul, he's saying, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's, it's better if I'm going to be with the Lord. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I don't know. So he said, I'm not sure yet what I'm going to do. For I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So what is Paul saying? He said, personally, I'd rather just go ahead and be with the Lord. I mean, just forget it here, you know. Let's just go be with the Lord. He said, but you need help. You know, I, I'm going to stay around because you need me. You know, we should think about that. Does my church need me? Does my family need me? Do people in the job need me? And, you know, a lot of times when you have to get people to start having a vision what you have to do is get people to have a vision to live and not die. Because, you know, when you get through and, you know, you get close to the other side, it's easier just to go and be with the Lord. And one thing, you know, never, never point a finger at people that have, maybe if they were young or middle-aged, or never point a finger at people, you know, if they went home early. Because until you've been in that place, you don't know. But it's far better to be with Christ. He says, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy 
of faith. So why was Paul teaching them? So that they could grow in the Lord, so they could have fruit, so they could have a continual furtherance and joy of faith. The Bible tells us over in Hebrews 11, verse 25, talking about Moses. Did Moses have things that he could choose? Moses had a, to choose in his life. Look at verse 25 of Moses. What Mo, Hebrews eleven twenty four, talking about Moses. It says this, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of, of Pharaoh's daughter. Now being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter meant he had it made. I mean, he had everything he needed. I don't think he would have had one worry. Everything was taken care of. He had plenty of money in the bank. But once he came to years, once he came to himself, once he got to the age of understanding, he, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing Rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Say what? He said, I'm going to choose and I'm going to suffer with the people of God. Why? Rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Do you know that sin is pleasurable? Now, some people say, well, you know, don't even tell people that. You know, sin, you know, oh, no, sin's not pleasurable. Then why do people do it? Because it's pleasurable. But it's only for a season. It's short-lived. And what happens? It, what does it bring? It brings death. When, when sin hath conceived, it brings death. So, so Moses, he said, you know what? I could have this. I could have this lifestyle. But I'm going to choose rather to suffer with the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. It's not going to last. Why? He, the Bible said he had faith. <clears throat> he had respect until the recompense of the reward. Why did he serve God? He knew about the reward. Do you know there's a reward for serving him? Godliness is profitable, the Bible says. And so he had respect until the prize. When you see the prize before you, it's easier to choose what's right. When you see the prize that, hey, if I work out, I'll get in good shape and, and I'll, I'll endure this right now. I mean, no, it takes enduring. You know, it takes, I remember like my son was asking me about playing sports in, in school. I said, well, you know, I did have an opportunity to play. <clears throat> I only took PE for one semester in four years of high school. You know, nowadays it's not even required. Even then, you know, we're talking about 30 years ago. And so here I am. I'm in PE class, and the, the basketball coach saw me just shooting around. He, he said, hey, you want to come out and try, um, play on the team? And I quickly thought about all the suicides they run. I mean, all the times they're running back and, and on the, because I had a good friend that was on the team. And I thought, uh, no thanks. You know, I'm, I'm kind of busy with other stuff right now. Why? Because I, I knew what it took to get there. I knew the involvement that it took. But if you can press through that, what happens is you, you have faith unto the reward. You have faith that, hey, if I do this, I'm going to get to the prize. I'm going to get through. You know, as a believer, there's things to endure. 
I'm not talking about sickness and disease. I'm not talking about lack. The Bible says we've been redeemed from those things. But we do suffer according to the will of God. We mainly suffer just having our own way. Isn't it right? We say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I want to follow you. I thank you that I have, Lord, I see the prize. I see that I'm going to heaven. I see that, that you have something prepared for me. And, and whatever I have to do, whatever I have to endure, whatever I have to put my flesh under, that's a lot of it right there. Just saying, I crucify my flesh right now. I mortify the deeds of my body. And Lord, I'm going to live unto you. I'm going to have your will in my life. Come hell or high water, sink or swim, live or die, I'm going to obey God. Amen. And you make that determination. You have to make that determination. You have to have that resolved. Because things will come at you to deter you. But the Bible tells us about Jesus in chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what was the motivating force for Jesus to go through the cross? He saw what was on the other side. He saw us, actually. He saw us and he said, Father, it's worth it. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to obey. There was even a time, though, that he had to submit his will. Well, you know, Jesus, no, his will was always in line with the Father's will. Then why did the Bible say, he said, Father... I don't want to go through this right now. And you, I mean, that's your, your flesh is recoiling against death. He said, but nevertheless, Father, he said, Father, if, if there's any other way we can do this, let's do it. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We had to pray that same prayer of consecration in our life. So Jesus endured the cross because of what was on the other side. So he made a choice. Did he not say, you know what, I could choose. I mean, just think about how the flesh could have got riled up. If you be the son of God, especially the religious coneheads, if you be the son of God, then make this, I mean, it, you'd be tempted to make this big loaf as, as big as a bus, you know, just like, here, boys. If you be the son of God, sounds just like the devil. Prove yourself. If you be. What did Jesus say? It is written. It is written. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 16, verse 16, how much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? That's why you're here today. That's why you're not out on the lake today. That's why you're not on a jet ski today. Why? Because you want wisdom. You know what's important in life. And that's what the wisdom of God tells you. The wisdom of God tells you, this is important, this is important, this is not important. The wisdom of God will lead us in life and tell us, cut this out, cut this back, um, add a lot of this right here in your life. It's just like if your body is deficient in certain things. You need a little extra of this, you need a lot more of this, and you need to cut that totally out. So he tells us, and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver. 
So we have choices today. We have choices. Over in the book of Luke, chapter 10, is everyone okay today? Maybe everyone's just taking it in. But in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, the Bible tells us that it came to pass as they went and entered into a certain village, a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So we see that that one made a choice to serve and serving is good. And then one made a a choice to sit and hear the word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. See, one of the things we have to watch as believers, as important as serving is, we don't put our serving before our worship. We still worship the king of kings. One person said this, that many people, many ministers in their operation, in their striving to be great ministers, have become lousy Christians. I don't want to be lost in ministry and not have fellowship with God. So that's why sitting at his word, listening to him, sitting at his feet. Martha was covered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Now here she is. She interrupts Jesus. In the midst. Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answering said to her, Martha, Martha. Now when the Lord says your name twice, then then it's time to just repent right there. Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Do you know that in every situation in life, I don't care if it, what it is, it's on the job, whether it's difficulty in marriage, difficulty in family, difficulty, uh, your career. There's always that one day something that you can choose that is needful above everything else. And you have to know from the Lord what that thing is. That day, it might be to pray in tongues all day. It might be to to worship God. It might be to read. It might be to listen to a podcast. It might be something that day that is needful. One thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So can you imagine, though, Jesus is here preaching and ministering having great meetings. He's there just enjoying fellowship. He's come out, Lord, don't you even care? I mean, think about it. Like I heard one minister say this many years ago. He said, maybe she came out and said, Lord, that lazy heifer. That's a good Southern expression. That lazy heifer, you know, she she needs to come out and help me. Lord, you, you tell her. It's like the one person that came to Jesus and said, Lord, we need to divide our inheritance. And tell 
so-and-so that they do what's right. You know what the Lord said? Lord, I, he said, man, who made me a judge over you? And then he went on talking about covetousness over in Luke chapter 12. You can read that. And so every day we have the one thing that's needful. We have to what? Choose that needful thing. John 15, 16 says this. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. The Bible tells us in Acts 9 verse 15 that Paul, he was called Saul at the time, is a chosen vessel unto me. 1 Peter 2 9 says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The Bible tells us in Revelation 17, 14, that a group of individuals, they are called and chosen and faithful. But I want you to turn here. We'll um, spend the rest of our time on this. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, and look in verse 15. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is, my eye e is your eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first in the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Many are called, but few chosen. Or chosen. And then turn over to Matthew 22. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables. Verse 1. And said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Why didn't they show up? They made a choice, didn't they? And it says, verse 4, again, he sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways. You know, it's, it's, to us in our language, it's a strong word the word despise. But that's the way the Lord looks at it, and we see it in other places, when we, we make light of something. We actually despise it. But that's what, what happens. We don't have a, a full-on onslaught where we just have this, well, I'm not going to do it. We just, we have other things that are more important. So it says that they made light of it, and they went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his service and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which are bidden were not worthy. 
They're not worthy. Go therefore to the highways and as many as you shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Everyone say that. Many are called, few are chosen. So I want to just dwell on this for a minute because people look at that and say, well, the Lord never chose me. But there's many that are called. Why is it that the many that are called, there's only few chosen? The reason why is because few choose to obey. Few choose to obey the call. But here's the good news. If you obey him, if you choose him, then you're the chosen. <laughs> it's just like the one who shows up and says, okay, um, you know, these are too busy. And we see other parables about this in the New Testament. You know, these are too busy. Go out, go find the, the homeless guy. Bring him in. Go find this one. Hey, hey, the masters need more people. Can you come up? Yeah, I got a free schedule today. I, I can, I'll, I'll be there. What time? Right now. Okay, let's go. Because he chose. Other things were not more important. And so as you choose to follow him, as you choose to obey, the Bible says you are called, you are faithful, you are chosen. That's why he could say of people like Saul, he says he's a chosen vessel unto me. That's why he could say, but you are a chosen generation. That's why he could say they're called and chosen and faithful. So every day, how does this apply to my life today? Every day I have a choice. I can always just look at it and say, you know, there's been a hard hand dealt to me. But no, I have a choice today. I have a choice to get closer to God. You can look at your own life. Maybe when you were born again, you can look at the people that you walked with and you think about, where are they now? Where are they now? Where, where are the people, even that were maybe even started in the word with you, but maybe they didn't go all the way. You know, at any time you can get off, going down the interstate, you can get off on the exit if you want to, unless it's blocked. Oh, I just think I'll just go, I'll just go over here. And there's the people that come, who's ever had somebody just blaze right past you and then they turn right in front of you and get off the exit? Could you not have waited three and a half seconds? <laughs> so don't, don't follow behind them. Don't get off the exit just all of a sudden and, and have road rage. Right. I just look at it like this. They got off and they, they, they took a detour. <laughs> but you know, people do that in life. You know what? I'm just going to, Lord, I'm comfortable where I am. You know, that's one of the worst enemies is comfort to the believer. One of the worst enemies is 
you know, the last song that was sung by a dying church was this. We've never done it that way before. The theme song in hell is I did it my own way. And so we all have a choice today that I can get closer to God. I have a choice that today I'm going to serve him. And that's why we want to encourage you to be part of this Unite Ministry of Helps meeting that we're going to have. I think it was really profound what my wife said because a lot of times people are waiting to find out what they, where they fit in the body but never put a foot forward. It's hard to steer a, a car that's in park. But once you get moving, you know, you'll realize if you're not called to a certain area. You'll realize, hey, I don't have grace for that. You know, I, I'm not called to, to helping the kids. I'm, not, I'm called to help in the youth. I'm not called to help. You know, I definitely can't sing or I definitely can't do this. Or I can't do that. You'll recognize the grace. And then what do you do? You just find out where you can plug in. But it's a lot easier for God to move you if you're moving. It's a lot easier if, if, you're, if you're like this. I'm not moving for anybody. You know, if you just have a heart to serve, if you have a heart to move in, in God's direction, he'll lead you. He'll put you right where you should be. So we have doors that before us, doors of opportunity, doors of utterance to speak for him. You know, we have that every day, don't we? God opens doors for us to speak to people. And we have doors of service. That if we will step into those and be faithful with those, we'll be promoted. You know, promotion comes because of faithfulness in life. I mean, there is the, there can be other exceptions to that, especially if who you know and different things like that, the people that jockey for position. But in the kingdom of God, as you're faithful, you will be what? You'll be promoted. You'll, you'll be enlarged. You'll be enlarged my territory, Lord. That's what we want with the River Church. God, open. It's like Abraham. Look from the, to the north, the south, the east, and the west. All of this I've given unto you. It's like the prayer that Jabez prayed. Lord, don't let it be a don't let it be a hindrance to me, but enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. Why? For influence. So God says before us today, and we have to be sensitive to it. Opportunity, utterance, and also service. God's setting before us today doors of service. That if we're faithful, we'll be promoted. And everything starts with a choice. And it starts with understanding today what's important in life. Why? Because everything down here is like a gallon of milk. It has an expiration date. Everything down here has a, is temporal. Do you know that everything is temporal? Even our lives down here. I mean, it's just amazing, even just in the last month, some people that I've known in doing some business dealings and you go back and you found out, 
oh, um, that person just died yesterday. And you think, wow, someone that was my age. And so life is short. And so the wisdom of God actually teaches us what's important in life. What's important? Have you ever looked at your life and you think back, if I would have done this 20 years ago, if I would have done this. See, the wisdom of God sees ahead and tells, shows us what to do and shows us what not to do. And then what? God puts it in our court and he says this, the choice is yours. The choice is yours today. Everything down here is temporal and is going to fade away. But the kingdom of God will last forever. That doesn't mean we're going to be in church 24-7. We're not going to have a commune. We're not going to have people living on the property. And No, because this is just a meeting place. This is a place where we're re-energized and built up. Then we go out into the world and affect a change. How many know the world needs a change? So what, we are the salt. We are the light. We go out all filled up, full of the Holy Ghost, and we impact people. And then we get the heaven out of here. Amen. You know, I'm not even interested in living down here forever. Amen. When we're, when we're done with our mission, then we're going to, that's when the church is going to leave. When the church has finished its, its mission, now we know that there's going to be things that happen in the tribulation, but right now, and see, the church will be gone. Now the religious church, many of them may still be here. Those that never knew that they were not born again. But we have a choice. And we have to make the right choice. Can you say amen? amen? Father, we thank you today that your word shows us, Lord, even as we've shared the word today, that we have a choice to make. Lord, we have a choice in everything that we do. We have a choice of where we follow you. Lord, that many are not even ready in the world, but Lord, you've sent us as individuals, Lord, that we would go and reap the harvest. Lord, that you would use every one of us. I pray, Lord, you would use every person in here. Lord, that many people in their sphere of influence, I can't affect them, but they can affect them. I can't be on their job, but, but Lord, you have them there to influence people. And I thank you for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place today, the most important choice that you could ever make is to choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. So if you're in this place and you say, Pastor, I, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If I died today, I don't know where I would spend eternity. But today I want to make that decision. I want to know for sure that I will stand before the Lord and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Or secondly, if you're in this place and maybe you, you were once in the Father's house, but you went away. There was a choice that was made. We've all made wrong choices in life. We all have. But you say, I want to choose today. I choose to come back. I want to come back into that place that I once had and, and I, don't, I don't want to miss heaven.
Or thirdly, if you just say, I want to know for sure. There's always these doubts in my mind that I'm not ready. But I want to know for sure that, that I've chosen him. And I want to know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. So if that's any, any three of those, if you want to make sure, if you want to come back to the Lord or you want to make a decision, I want to follow Jesus. With no one looking around, just raise your hand up quickly and say, pray for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I choose you today. I choose you. Hallelujah. If this resonates with you and, and you, this is something that's in your heart, you just make this declaration to the Lord. Say, Lord, I choose you. I dedicate myself to you. I want your will for my life. I want to have your plan for my life. I choose to follow you no matter where, no matter when, and no matter what. Lord, I dedicate myself to you. I consecrate myself to you. Not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. Hallelujah. You know, there's been people that have chosen a house over the will of God. Well, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't leave that house. Well, how long do you think you're going to have that house? <laughs> Amen. There's nothing, there's nothing on this earth that's sacred as far as the, that it comes above God. I don't want to lose anything or lose out because of everything that I have, I could give it away. Now watch what you say because the Lord, he'll, he'll see if you really mean that. But everything means nothing. When It's like our pastor said, the Lord spoke to him and said, when everything means nothing to you, I'll give you everything. When everything means nothing, then I'll give you everything. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's amazing the days we're living in, isn't it? And I'll just say this. Things go in cycles in the body of Christ. I don't care if you're talking about demon, you know, demonology. If you're talking about any number of things, they resurface every few years. Nothing new is under the sun. And one thing that you're starting to see more and more in this whole time of wokeism, one thing we're starting to see more and more is people just, where they used to preach the gospel, now it's, people have gravitated, and you're going to see more and more, to this what we call ultimate reconciliation. And everything is about everything but Jesus. And, and it's about this, it's about that. Ultimate reconciliation says this, that, you know, we're not going to preach the gospel. Everybody's going to be saved. But you know that everyone will not be saved? 
That's why we have to preach the gospel. It even goes to the fact they even say that the enemy will be reconciled. I'm going to tell you right now, there is no hope for the devil. He's not going to be born again. He's not going to come back. You know why? Because people, people read the scripture and they say, well, you know, God said that, God, that he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So, so but notice you still have to come to repentance. And so people preach that, and, and it's becoming more prevalent. So that's why we have to share the gospel. We have to share the good news with people everywhere we go. That Jesus made a way. And, and I don't, I'm not even here to talk about all that, but, you know, people's lifestyles. And so that's why everything doesn't matter. You can live this. You can have 57 genders. You can have all this. Why? Because... It really doesn't matter. That's, that's why all that, it just goes into, if you don't realize, that's, that's the way New York was. It was, you had 57 genders. I don't know where the other 55 came from. But um, there's only two. Only two. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, who's happy today? Thank you, Lord. Well, stand to your feet. Every day, yes. Hallelujah. This is a good day, a good week. You know why it is? Because I choose it's going to be like that. Well, you know, you haven't got there yet. Well, I'm choosing ahead of time. Before I even get there. Amen. Just grab the, the hand of your neighbor. Let's pray one for another before we go. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters here today. Lord, we pray as your word says, one for another, that we may be healed. And Father, I just thank you that as we Lay hands on, even by just grabbing their hand. Lord, I thank you for the anointing to, to go into them right now. I thank you, Lord, that you drive out sickness and disease. I thank you, Lord, that you lead them and guide them this week. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing. I thank you, Father, that your angels protect around us this week. I thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against us can prosper. But, Lord, that you lead us this week. I thank you, Lord, for the supernatural touch of God upon their lives in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, they're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Thank you, Father, that greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. And Lord, we just bless you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord. We expect great things from you this whole week. Lord, let Monday be a day of blessing, Tuesday of harvest, Wednesday of increase, Thursday of favor, Friday of the fullness of God. And Lord, Saturday, let it be all of the ones combined so that when we come in next Sunday, we can celebrate all the good things you've done. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen means so be it. So be it in my life, Lord.